It's Wednesday night, and we have been uh, talking about why people do not believe in predestination and the other doctrines that we teach here. And uh, then I preached Sunday morning, which was our picnic weekend here in 2019. I preached on on the things we believe and what we don't believe. I'm going to kind of incorporate that with why people don't believe in predestination. You can show them the verses in the Bible, for, or you can quote it verbatim. For whom he did foreknow, this is Romans 8 and 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, a lot of people, you'll quote that to them, a person that claims to be a true believer, and they'll say, the Bible don't mean that. It means something else. Or they'll say, God looked ahead into the future and saw who would accept him and who wouldn't accept him. Well, that's true. And when he looked in the future and saw who would and who wouldn't, no one would accept him because there is none that seeketh after God. Therefore, if he does not choose a people and put faith in their hearts, no one will go to heaven. They'll say all of these crazy things, even though the Bible specifically teaches predestination. And I have wondered for years, and I've kind of hit upon things, why a so-called good Christian refuses to believe predestination. Why they refuse to believe that Christmas is Christ Mass, it's Roman Catholicism, and that's exactly what any encyclopedia, any dictionary will tell you, it comes from Christ Mass. The key is, do people know what the Mass is? They don't. The Mass is eating human flesh. The focal point of Catholicism is the Mass. Of everything in it, you have to get the Mass right. You have to go to a Catholic church, and a Roman Catholic priest will hold the Eucharist up in the air. I don't know why they hold it up. Maybe it's closer to God. They hold it up, and they utter the words, Hocus corpus in You notice the word corpse, corpus. That's the word corpse. That's a Latin term that they say turns that Eucharist into the literal body and blood of Christ. And when you put it on your in your mouth, or they put it on your tongue, uh, that is when it becomes Christ in the flesh. Well, it's against God's law to eat flesh and drink blood. I've said that John the 6th chapter, Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. But I keep telling everybody, eat flesh and drink blood was an old ancient idiom. It meant to partake in a slaughter. Jesus tells us what eat flesh and drink blood is. He says, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. All you have to do to find out what eat flesh and drink blood is, is to find the word Indeed. Well, indeed is the word alethes, A-L-E-T-H-E-S. Alethes is a for, it means of truth. 
Well, truth is something that's really hard to deal with. It is the word A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A in the Greek. It is a construction of the word lanthano, which means to hide or lie hid, lie hid, or conceal. And when you place the alpha privative, the first letter of the Greek alphabet in front of a word, as a negative particle, negative means it's in opposition to the word it's in front of. It negates that word lanthano. It means not to hide anything, not to conceal anything. Define the words, give the part of speech, and you'll find out what these things mean. Well, when you eat and drink of truth, you take off the cover and you don't hide anything. When you do that with people in America, they don't like that. I've come to this conclusion this past week. I looked up on the Internet what the population of the United States of America is. It is 327 point something million. 327 million people. If you've got 325 million believing free will, free will, I believe you'd have, I believe 3 million or 2 to 3 million people would be a good percentage that believe what we teach if there's that many people in America. There'll only be few. If you had 325 million or 320, let's just give them more than that. Let's say 323 million that believe free will, that did not believe in predestination. And if you had uh, 4 million that believe that Christmas is pagan, Christmas is pagan, they believed in the definition of the words. Uh, they believed in predestination. That would probably be a pretty good percentage. I don't believe hardly anybody in America believes the things that we believe. So here's what has to happen. When you run across somebody in the, among this 327 million and they're married and they got a wife and you explain this to them, they know they're going to have to go against their wife, their mother, their father, their family, their children. They're going to have to go against everybody out there that, that believes something. They're going to have to take a stand, and they don't want to do that. We found that out, haven't we? We found out most people don't like the truth. Now... The world don't want to vote, don't want you to vote against them. They want to be popular. If you're in any kind of business, if you're in real estate, you've got to be popular to some degree. You've got to be well-liked. You've got to teach people to like you. You've got to go take a Dale Carnegie course on how to win friends and influence people. If you want to climb the ladder in car sales, you got to make friends. You've got a lot of people when they come and say, well, it's really good to see you, brother. When you go back, back in the back, 
in some offices in the back. Those guys are cussing. They're making fun of their clients. They do that in real estate. I know. I was in it. They'll make fun and laugh at people. You think those people are what they look like they are, and they're not. And they're going to vote against you for wanting to be unpopular. The Bible says, Bless you to ye, when men shall reproach you. Well, you cannot be reproached and be successful in most businesses. Reproach, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. That means to be infamous. Famous. Famous means to be well-liked by everybody. And infamous means not to be liked by hardly anybody. And look, people look at you like you're Al Capone if you believe in predestination and you know that Christmas is Christ's mass. It's paganism. They don't like you. They're not going to like you. We, you have to be hated by the world. I've said that so many times. Jesus said, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you. Most of, it don't, of us don't like to be hated, do we? I don't like to be hated, but I know I either have to be loved by God, hated by the world, or loved by the world and hated by God. You can't have both of them. Now, we don't believe what most people believe. We're willing to say it here. We don't believe in Pentecostal tongues. I'm going to continue on this subject. We don't believe in Pentecostal tongues. Let me tell you about Pentecostal tongues. I traveled in gospel music. About 90% of gospel music is supported by the charismatic Pentecostal movement. That's who keeps it alive and thriving. And they believe in tongues. We don't believe in Pentecostal tongues. We don't believe in that at all. We have reasons for not believing that because you can't believe in it when it's not true. There's two words for tongue in the New Testament text. We're talking about the Greek text. Dialectos. Dialectos is the word dialect. Dialect. And there is the word glossa. Glossa means foreign language. Foreign language. And these are the two words that you'll find repeatedly particularly in Acts 2 and Acts the second chapter and in 1 Corinthians the 14th chapter. In 1 Corinthians the 14th chapter, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Corinth is in the middle of the Mediterranean. Uh, It's right here. It's in Greece. This is the Mediterranean Sea. This was ruled by Alexander the Great before him by the Persians, which is uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan. Uh, All of these stands was Persia, Iran, and Iran was, that was Persia right here. And then Iraq, that was 
Babylon. Well, Rome, excuse me, Greece, right here in Corinth, Paul was writing to them, and this was a probably one of the busiest cities in the world, and you had tradesmen, uh, sailors, people, salespeople going through Greece, and you had all of these different people going through Greece, and they were speaking all kinds of glossa foreign language. We get our word glossary from that. A glossary is a section of a book with words that are foreign to the average reader. So you can look it up and find out what it means. They dialects and gloss are mentioned in Acts two. You don't have dialects mentioned in Acts anywhere but Acts two. But the key to Acts the second chapter that there were Jews from every nation under heaven there. What were they doing there? Jews from every nation. There was a reason they were there. They were there because they had been scattered all over the world. They'd been scattered all over the world because for 500 years, under kings from Saul, the first king, actually God was the first king. The people said, give us a king, so he gives them Saul. Saul is out of the tribe of Benjamin, but that's the wrong tribe for the king to come from. So God causes evil spirits to come upon Saul. And for 500 years, Israel is under kings, and these kings always went after Baal, Grove, and all the gods of the nations around them. They went after the gods of Jordan. It wasn't called Jordan back then. Northern Jordan was called uh, was called uh, Ammon. Ammon Jordan is the capital of Jordan. But they all went after Ammon, which was a sun god. And they went after southern Jordan, which was uh, Moab. And they worshipped Shemash, which is the word sun in the Greek, uh, in the Hebrew, Shemash. And they went after the gods of Egypt, that ninth chapter of, the first few verses of the ninth chapter of Ezra will say they went all the gods of Egypt, which was, which was Isis, Osiris, Amun-Ra. And they had about a thousand gods in Egypt, and Israel went after those gods. And they went after the gods of Lebanon, except it wasn't called Lebanon back then. It was called Tyre and Sidon. And the priest of Tyre was Ethbaal, and Ethbaal means with Baal, and his daughter was Jezebel. And Ahab, the king of northern Israel, married her, brought those gods down into Israel, and then they went after the god of Rimmon of the Syrians. They went after all the gods of the people around them. And God said, I've had my fill after 500 years. And he said, I'm going to bring four judges on you. If you go after other gods, I'll bring the sword, the famine, the pestilence. Then I'll bring the beast against you. The beast was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Well, northern Israel was scattered by the beast Assyria, which was northern Babylon, which was northern Babylon. 
and they carried away northern Israel in 722 B.C. B.C. because they're going after this system of Bell and the Grove. And yes, by the way, that was the same system that Constantine brought into the church. Constantine brought into the church in 325 A.D. and renamed Christ Mass. Now the reason we know it was the same thing that Israel went after. There's a specific reason we know that, and we got to go over here to this map. So God scatters all of Israel. Here it is. Oops. He scatters them all over the earth. But he gives Israel th- three feast days that all of them have to come back. They have to come back to to Israel. Here's this is a map. This is the Mediterranean Sea. Israel is on the eastern end of the Mediterranean, right here. There's Jerusalem. And you can see this comes out of the Compendia book. You can see them coming back from all over the world, from Rome, from Corinth. And this is just a few arrows. It's, they can't possibly show all of them. They're coming back from Pergamos. They're coming back from what we call Turkey. They called Asia Minor. And they're coming back from Babylon over here. And they're coming back from up here in Persia. And all the arrows are leading down to Israel for these three feast days. So the fact that they were scattered is not the point. The point is they are required by the law to come back to Israel. And when they finally get back to Israel in Acts 2, in Acts 2, southern Judah was scattered in 586 B.C. Israel had been divided into two kingdoms, northern Israel, which is the ten northern tribes, and southern Judah, which is the two southern tribes. So they all had to come back according to the laws of God, and particularly in Exodus, the 23rd chapter. Look at that. Go to Exodus, the 23rd chapter. And let's just verify this as we go along, because what this is doing, this is showing us where Christmas comes from. It shows us when Constantine... Constantine was afraid. He was afraid of losing the empire. I said I was going to show you. I'll come back to that. All right, let me see here. All right. Constantine, this is the Mediterranean Sea. This is... Spain, the tip of Spain, just about touching the northern part of Africa. And this strait here, that's the Strait of Gibraltar. And you got the Rock of Gibraltar on that Spanish side there. And you enter into the Mediterranean. The Mediterranean is the area of the beast world system. The beast was, was first of all, Babylon. That would be Iraq. 
and then Persia came in and conquered them and they all had their borders here on the on the Mediterranean Sea the Mediterranean Sea was called the Great Sea when you see the beast in Daniel 7 coming up out of the sea that means the beast was Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome and they all had their ruling uh, area over the Mediterranean coming up out of the Mediterranean Sea that's what it means it's not even difficult if people looked at maps when they studied so when the when the Caesars were, not just the Caesars, when, when all the kings of Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome were ruling, they were only ruling this section right around the empire was where they had absolute power and authority over the Mediterranean region. They were ruling Spain here. They were ruling, they would have these uh, men from Hannibal came over here from over here in Carthage and came up here and wanted to conquer Rome and he was trying to go over the mountains with his elephants and and he broke down and he didn't conquer Rome. But this was where the beast was. This was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome's area. Well, there was a there were many, many tribes off across what we call the European continent. Some were coming from over here the Huns were coming from over in the Far East. That's what they called uh, Attila the Hun was over there in Mongolia. But we ended up calling the Germans Huns because the Huns, uh, especially during World War One, the Huns were coming over and they were settling all over. And you can follow these eras. Here's some of the Huns here and they moved on over here. Some of them, here's Hans right here, moving in here. And you had the Ostrogoths, and you had the Visigoths. These were barbaric tribes that were not tamed by the beast. They didn't have them in control. And they were, you had all kinds, the Burgundians, the Bavarians, the Vandals, the Goths, the Visigoths, and they were all out of control like Dave says they were out of control they couldn't be controlled and the only people that the that could control that the beast world system could control, control was the ones they had conquered here in the Mediterranean Sea area well for about 200 years prior to Constantine 200 Constantine started ruling in 312 A.D. And then he had this, this, this Nicene post of this anti-Nicene council. It was called the Nicene Council. Had that in three twenty-five A.D. And that's where he brought. He said, "What I will do, I will bring all the gods of the Huns, the Ostrogoths, and particularly the Visigoths." They were coming down here into Rome. The Visigoths, why, I don't know. They were all quite barbaric. But the Visigoths were just as crude and crazy a people as there was. They lived on horseback like the American Indian. They could shoot an arrow and hit a target, I mean, dead center from 75 yards. 
They were very, very good. And they lived barbarically. And if whenever they were whenever they were pushed and pressed, they you no matter how big the Roman Empire was, they said, You're not gonna do that to us, we'll come after you. And that's what they did. The Visigoths were driven were driven across the Danube River that comes down here, empties into the Black Sea. When they were driven across by the Huns, all these guys fought among themselves. So when they were driven across the Danube River, that threw the Visigoths into Roman territory. And the Romans said, we'll hit you with penalties, tax you it to death. They said, no, you won't. They got on their horses and they got, went wild, got their spears, their bows and arrows and their swords, and they started just going like crazy. And it was, and Constantine thought he would do something about this in 325 A.D. So he said, I will amalgamate the sun and tree gods of all these wild, the Saxons, all the Norsemen, Saxons, Angles, all of these, if to make a list of them, the list will cover a whole page. And they were wild, barbaric people. I've told you this before. If you get a chance to watch the gladiator, watch it. Because at the front of it, when... Uh, What's his name, the general? I can't think of his name. When he was on the, right at the beginning of the movie, he was on the northern border of the Roman Empire. That would have been right up here. And he was fighting the Huns. And they were sitting around campfires and, and cursing and carrying on and had a, a leg of something in their mouth, yanking it off. And they made them look really Barbaric, but they weren't any more barbaric, more barbaric than the Romans. The Romans were classic barbarians when they would kill the Christians and kill all the Jews with gladiators and turn them over to the lions. So he said, "I will take their gods, which are and bring them into the church." When Israel went after Baal in the grove and all the gods of the ancient world, the Bible says. Nobody but the Babylonians organized and started all that. Babylon was the mother. Revelation 17 and 5. Babylon was the mother of all harlots. Pornia. We get the word porn from that. It don't mean to look at naked men and women. It means idolatry. So, if Babylon mothered all idolatry, she mothered all of this that the Jews went after for 500 years, Baal, Grove, Shemash, Molech, and she mothered all of this gods of the Goths and the Visigoths and the Astrogoths and the Vandals and the Huns. So these are the same thing that Israel was involved in, aren't they? For the fact that the mother of all of it was Babylon when she said, let us make us, Genesis 11 and 4, make us 
a name. And anytime you get into all these gods, these gods were called D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. These gods were called demons. That is our word, demon. We do not believe in demons. Those were the gods of the ancient world. In the time of Christ, the demons were the gods. That was what Israel went after, the demons. That's what Hercules was called. And demon comes from dio, meaning to distribute fortunes. So, the fact, now here's the thing. The fact that Israel was scattered and they come back together this introduced Christmas into the world through Constantine. So Christmas comes out of paganism. And then when they when you get to Acts two, every year they're coming back to these three festivals. Every year. When they get to Acts two, God says, This is the place that I'm going to pour out of my spirit, my spirit on all flesh. All flesh has a meaning. In other words, over here in the Old Testament, while Israel was a nation under kings, while they were a nation under judges before that for 375 maybe 400 years, somewhere in that neighborhood, while they were a nation, they kept going after all these gods. Well, they were scattered. And when they were scattered, they end up all over the world, and they have been in the, all over the world for at least 586 years among southern Israel, for 722 years of among northern Israel, the ten northern tribes, the two southern tribes, they were split because Solomon allows his Solomon allowed his wives, seven hundred of them. Notice how this brings tongues, Christmas, the seventy weeks of Daniel, all together under one subject, because God gives Israel. 70 times 7. The main reason they went after these other gods wasn't because they wanted other gods. They believed that that Jehovah was the only God. The main reason they went after these other gods had to do with money, food. God God told them, told Israel, I'm going to give you a sabbatical year every seven years. And you will keep that. You won't plant. You won't reap. You won't do anything to the land. The sabbatical year was the same thing as crop rotation. Crop rotation, if you live in the Midwest, out in Kansas, live in Nebraska, that's our breadbasket. 
We've got to have so many hundreds of thousands of acres out there so we can grow enough wheat and corn and all the things that we need so we can feed America. You can't just go out there and say, you got all this open land. What do you mean we're, uh, we're having a famine in America? You can't go out there and live all over that land have no place to grow the crops. So these 70, these sabbatical years, the sabbatical years equals crop rotation. I don't know how crop rotation works exactly. I just know you cannot own, if you're a farmer out in Nebraska, you cannot own 500 acres and plant the same thing every year and every acre. They know how to rotate them if they come to a place that they they have to have farm agents come out on a regular basis, those farmers, and check the soil. You have to do the same thing in real estate when you're going to, if you're under a septic system and you sell a house, you got to get a clear health letter. That means you have to have the environmentalist come from Gallatin. You call them and say, I've got a septic system at such and such address, done this many times. And they would come out, or the either that or the mortgage company will call them, and they'll come out and they'll test the soil. That's what these farm agents do. And they'll tell you what kind of fertilizer you got to put in here and how you got to rotate the crops in order to keep growing crops. Well, instead of doing that, God says, give me every seven years. It's mine. You can't blend. And you find that in Leviticus, the 25th chapter. He'll tell you all about the sabbatical years. Israel said, Moses, if you think we're going to give God one year out of seven, you're out of your mind. And they went for 490 years without without letting the crop retain its, its nutrients. You have to restore the nutrients. By the time they'd gone 490 years, 70 sets of those seven years, 70 times seven, by the time they'd gone that many, 490 years, can you imagine how little crops they were getting out of that land? I keep saying this. Mary and I lived over here on Irvine, and we put a garden out, and for about 10 years, we'd plant it every year in the same spot. And we'd go out and buy these giant tomato plants. And when they went after about ten years, they'd end up being the size of one of those little grape tomatoes. Because it had no nutrients in the ground. You can't do that ever. So they said, We'll go after these other gods. They don't require anything from us. And that's the main reason right there. So God measures this out during this time period they're taken away. He said, from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, that Nebuchadnezzar had raised it, R-A-Z-E, means to bring it to the ground, not R-A-I-S-E, leveled it to the ground, from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince, that's Jesus, will be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. That's 69 weeks of years, or 483 years. And there will be, there'll be 
seven years to go and I believe that comes about at the end of time so everything that they did here has to do with the tongues that happens over here because they're scattered they're scattered all over the world and when they're scattered they're required to come back that's not their their choice let me get back over where they are alright so they're scattered all over the world that happens you can see southern Judah scattered northern Israel scattered in 2nd Kings 2nd Kings the 17th chapter that's northern Israel being scattered here and then southern Judah this is northern Israel southern Judah is scattered in uh, in second chronicles the 36th chapter and second kings you can see second kings the 25th chapter and you can also see Jeremiah's account of it in Jeremiah 39 and 40 and 41. You can see, and his is very graphic. That's when Nebuchadnezzar comes in and says, you can be free. We're carrying these other peoples off into captivity because you're an honorable man. Now, so they're scattered all over the world and they're coming back what kind of language you think these people are speaking when they get back over here? Well, they're speaking. They had what they called, they had a different dialect of the Greek language in every one of these city-states. They were speaking a different dialect in Cyrene than they were speaking over here in Israel. They're speaking a different dialect up here in northern Israel than they're speaking in southern Judah. They're speaking a different dialect in Babylon, a different dialect in all of these cities throughout the world. That's why they said, How hear we ever man in our own dialectos, not tongue. How do we hear every man in our own dialect where we were born? What's the whole idea of that? They're hearing Peter stand up in Acts 2, preach the resurrection, and they're hearing in their own dialect. And then after these feasts are over, they all go back and preach to the Gentiles all over the world where they come from. This is God pouring out of his spirit on all flesh or all men. And Peter said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that God will pour out of his spirit. The Holy Spirit is truth. John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6. The spirit is the truth. God's going to pour out his spirit. He's blinded the eyes of the Jews when he comes in Jerusalem. He comes in Jerusalem in Luke, the 19th chapter. He looks out over Jerusalem. We're at the beginning of the Passover, his last few days in 
alive. He's going to be killed four days later as the Passover lamb. He looked out over Jerusalem and he said, If thou hadst known, Jerusalem, if thou hadst known in this thy day the things that belong to thy peace, but they're hidden from your eyes, you're blind today. That was the last day of the 69 weeks. And God blinded the eyes of the Jews and he, he opened up the eyes of the Gentile church. <coughs> Gentile church or spiritual Israel. And that for 2,000 years, the Gentile church. This has to do, notice how I can go from one subject to the other. That has to do with no millennium. Mill annum is not the word. It's not the word thousand years. Mill annum. Millennium means thousand mill and annum years. But this, the fact that God opens the eyes of the Gentiles between the end of the 69th week and the 70th week at the end of time, those are weeks of years. That's the 2,000 years where the Gentiles or the nations cannot be deceived. Now, all of this goes together. The 70 weeks, the tongues, Christmas being the same system that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D. by amalgamating all those pagan gods with the gods of the church. It was a corrupt church in Rome. So he amalgamated all of them together and called it the Christ Mass. No matter whether anybody believes that or not, that's the truth. Now, now, so let's go back over. This is where the 2,000 years comes in, over in Revelation. In Revelation, Uh, Revelation 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having a key of the bottomless pit. I love that word, the real word bottomless pit, because you can see it. Let me flip back to that other place where I was. You can see it over here. Let me put it this way. Bottomless pit is this right here. Bottomless pit is the Mediterranean Sea because that's a terrible translation. The word is abusas. It's our word abyss. A-B-U-S-S-O-S. That word abusos is the same basic word when you look over in, let me show you. 
look, hold your place there, and then go over here to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. If I spell this out, I think maybe you'll see it easier. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And the scripture says, in verse 9, it doesn't say what Bill Clinton said it said. <laughs> he, he quoted this. Of course, this is quoted out of Isaiah. But it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. And Bill Clinton quoted up to there, and then he said, the things that we can do. What a dummy. No, it says, I had not seen, neither into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, and the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. That word deep is a part of the word bottomless pit. That word deep is the word bathos. It means the deep things of God means God's great intellect or knowledge. When you place the alpha primitive in front of bathos as a negative particle, it negates the word and translates abusos, the word that they translated bottomless pit. It doesn't mean that. That's what confuses these so-called prophecy teachers. They come up with all kinds of crazy things. Well, those scorpions come out of the bottomless pit. Well, so did the so did the the Bible says in the 11th chapter of Revelation that the beast comes out of the bottomless pit. What does the beast come out of? It comes out of a place of no knowledge. What do you mean by that? Only Israel had knowledge of God. They had none. It's real simple. Can you see that? That's as simple as falling off a log if you define the word. So, let's read this in chapter 20. I read it last week. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the place of no knowledge. No knowledge of God was in the beast world system. And a great chain in his hand. Doesn't mean a literal chain. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, the diabolos, the one who deceives, the accuser, and Satan and bound him. It doesn't say a thousand years. A is never in the Greek text. You got three articles in the Greek, the, a, and. They don't have any indefinite articles in the Greek. They have the, and that's the only one they have. There's 24 ways to spell the, depending on where it is in the sentence, if it's masculine, feminine, neuter, gender. And uh, 
and what what is and the structure of it. So, it doesn't say 8,000 years. How do you know if something is 8,000 or the 1,000? 1,000 is the word kilia. It is plural. I've said this before many times. The great scholars that study numbers will tell you any multiple of one, if ten is a multiple of one, another zero is a multiple of one, a thousand is a form of one. It is actually singular. This word thousand is plural. And any multiple of ten, a hundred, or a thousand is a form of the original number. It's a form of one. So it's not talking about, Kelly is not talking about one thousand years. And proof of that is what he is bound from. That word forbidden, or the actual word bound, is the word dio. We've talked about that. Dio, remember Dio and Luo, that's binding and loosing, forbidding and permitting. This word Dio means to forbid. Satan is forbidden for doing something for a 2,000 year period. He's forbidden. And it tells you what he's forbidden from doing. And shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. The word nation and Gentile are the exact same word in the Greek. Ethnos. We get our word ethnic. It means non-Jews. So there is a 2,000 year period where Satan cannot deceive a set of Gentiles that would be the Gentile church which is spiritual Israel from Acts 2 or the end of the 69 weeks until the end of time boy we are getting close to the end of all things we don't know exactly what year we're living in because Acts 2 is approximately 33 A.D. We don't know if that's exactly because Jesus was just put to death at 33 years old. So 2,000 years from 33 A.D. would be 2033 A.D. But we don't know where we are on the calendar. We don't have a reliable calendar. The end of time may some come somewhere around there. Maybe 12, 13 years from now. Maybe, I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying this is something to think over in your mind. I believe when the the 2,000 years is up, I believe the end will come. And there's a group of Gentiles that cannot be deceived for a 2,000 year period. There's a group called the church. And you say, well, that's not all the Gentiles. No. Remember, a part of something is the whole. The all flesh during this time period 
will be the red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. And over here in the Old Testament, they were forbidden from hearing the truth. God wouldn't say go in there and preach to the Gentiles. He'd say go in there and kill them. And that's what they did. So when you get to that, he pours out of his spirit on all men. He tells Timothy pastoring at Ephesus there in that fourth chapter of First Timothy. It says God would have all men be saved. He's in Ephesus. The reason he said he would have all men be saved because there's all Gentiles in the Gentile church there. There are nations in that Gentile church. There are ethnos in that church. And before Jesus died, none of these people had the truth. They were in the place of no knowledge. So when God opens it up to them, they can hear. The elect can hear in these places and that's the bottomless pit. It's not a bottomless pit. It's a place of no knowledge. Now, I hope you can get a hold of that. Now, go back to where we were last week, to Revelation 10. Revelation 10. And remember, all of those gods were called demons in the ancient world. There's no such thing as demons the most evil thing in the world is man's heart. The heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So if the heart is deceitful above all things, every time you find the word, the New Testament refers to the word demon, it's the word D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. When the Bible refers to it, it's always neuter gender. It's a thing. It's not real. It's when you look up Daemonion, even in your Strong's Concordance, it will say it will say a deity. What is a deity? A god. It's a god. How many gods are there? One. So when it says a deity, it's talking about a false deity, the gods of the first century that they called demons or demonion. There's no such thing as demons. Go back over here to the 10th chapter. It's talking about when Christ comes back, there's been there's seven angels that have seven trumpets. It's the same seven angels of Revelation 1 and 20. The seven angels are the seven spirits of the seven churches. If the seven angels are here, the seven churches are here. Or the refined church. Seven is the number of refinement. Now, so you got seven angels with seven trumpets. The first one sounds in, in verse 7 of chapter 8. The second one sounds in verse 8 of chapter 8. The third one sounds in chapter 10. And then the fourth one sounds... In, chapter, in verse 12 of chapter 8 and the fifth one sounds in the first verse of chapter 9 as I've said a trumpet was a voice they tell you what to do either to attack or to go to bed or get up in the morning they sound revelry alright then the sixth one sounds in verse 13 of chapter 9 and then the seventh one sounds 
when Christ puts one foot on the land and the other on the sea and he's got one foot on the land one on the sea in verse 2 of chapter 10 and he speaks out in verse 6 well verse 5 I saw this angel lift up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever this is at the sounding of the seventh trumpet or the last trump will be changed at the last trump it has to be a series of trumpets who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea that things that therein are that there should be time no longer the seventh trumpet sounds no more time time is no longer so we're changed at the last trump how could there be a pre-trip rapture when we're changed and it says in this context the mystery of God is finished mystery of God is finished finished teleos or teleos t-e-l-e-i-o-s means complete or mature and the mystery is the church you can see that in Ephesians the third chapter and Ephesians the fifth chapter the mystery of the ch- or the church is complete at the signing of the seventh trumpet and we're going to be changed at the last trump and that word last eschatos means the last in a series after which no other trumpet shall sound so this is the last in a series and two things happen at the signing of the seventh trumpet two things well several things time is no more if time is no more how can this be a pre-trib rapture how could it be a pre-trib rapture at the last trump when we're going to be changed at the last trump according to 1 Corinthians 15 51 52 we're going to be changed at the last trump 1 Corinthians 15 51 52 we're going to be changed to the last trump and after the last trump time is no more how can we be taken out in a pre-trib rapture when there's no more when we're taken out at the last trump how can there be a thousand year reign when the last trump sounds and time is no more there's not a thousand year reign it's not thousand it's two thousand and that's where the Gentiles can't be deceived and that's us the church where did that premillennialism and that preacher of rapture come from it came from a man named J.N. Darby J.N. Darby he was a preacher in England and in the 1800s he held revivals there 
And a young girl, 14 years old, stood up in one of his meetings and said, I had a vision that we're going to be taken out before the tribulation period. And he took that, brought that to America. Since America was willing to buy that, they bought they bought a premillennialism along with that. Where did the millennialism come from? And all Baptist churches in America, particularly the independent Baptists, have on the front of their church fundamental premillennial. They're ignorant. I was raised in an independent Baptist preacher's home. The independent Baptists, I need to say this for you, the Independent Baptist was founded in Fort Worth, Texas by Dr. J. Frank Norris. He was a rebel when it came. He was in the Southern Baptist Convention and he pulled away when the Southern Baptist Convention quit preaching the doctrines of predestination. The Southern Baptist Convention was founded for you guys out there. was founded on the doctrine of predestination. All of the early Southern Baptists Heads of the Southern Baptist Convention. I've got a book called Southern Baptists and the Doctrines of Election. All the past presidents, the first president, the second president, the third, fourth, fifth, up until the 1920s, believed in predestination. The most famous Southern Baptist in the 1800s was a man named B.H. Carroll. He organized and founded Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas on the doctrines of predestination and the sovereignty of God. And that's as far from that school now as the East is from the West. Southern Baptist was founded on what I teach here. Then the independent Baptist broke away from the Southern Baptist through Dr. J. Frank Norris, considered a rebel. I remember... When I was 14 years old, 13, somewhere around there, I was a paper boy in Fort Worth. I, I threw the Fort Worth Press. That was an evening paper. And I sat down, opened my bundle at my bundle stop, picked up a newspaper and says, J. Frank Norris, war horse of the Independent, Independent Baptist, dies. I went, wow. Because everybody knew who he was in Fort Worth. He pastor First Baptist Church. It was a huge church back then. And I, his head of his seminary was Dr. Roy Kemp. He was a dear friend of mine. I made it my business to go to his home, which wasn't far from where I lived, in Fort Worth, just to visit him and sit down at his feet and talk to him. I'd ask him questions. Very tender-hearted gentle man and he was the head of that seminary and he said I don't know where these guys come up with free will a friend of mine went to seminary out there and he said you every one of the teachers in the independent Baptist seminary it was called Bible Baptist seminary in Arlington Texas he said all the teachers are powerful strong on predestination that was Roy Kemp Peter Conley George Norris Earl Oldham, they hammered predestination. In fact, this friend of mine, Jerry, that went there said, you couldn't go there and not believe in it. And that school has kind of died away, and the independents split again, and the free will people went to 
Springfield, Missouri, and started the Baptist Bible College teaching free will, teaching accept Christ and all those false doctrines. But the true independent Baptists were predestinationists. That's your, that is your legacy, you independent Baptist preachers, if you're watching. That's what they founded it on. If you don't believe that, you don't believe your heritage. Now, I don't know why I said that, just to kind of put it in there. All right. Because I was raised in that. I was a member of I was in a Boy Scout troop there, and we met on the top floor of the First Baptist Church where J. Frank Norris was the pastor. Now, he was considered a... He was a character because he would stand up to anybody on anything. Now, where was I? Pre-trib thing was just... They're looking for an easy way out. And J.N. Darby brought it to America. He's the guy that brought pre-trib and premillennialism to America. And the guy that propagated it more than anyone else in America and made it strong was a man named C.I. Schofield. The Schofield Bible was put out by him and you don't want one of those and you don't want to pay any attention to the notes in them. If you got a Schofield Bible, shelve it. Because he is the guy that got behind J.N. Darby's doctrine and pushed it to America. It's one of the many... These are two of the many false doctrines. Just not true. How much time do I have, Mike? All right, I've covered a lot of territory here. Go back over here to the 10th chapter. Yeah, they're not very smart. They're not very smart. If time is over at the signing of the seventh trump, and that's the last trump, and there's no thousand years, and there's no seven years tribulation period after the last trump, the time is over. Can't you guys read out there? But God says in the world you're going to have tribulation. You are. You can't get away from it. You can't get away from the tribulation. It's crazy. Now, the seventh trumpet sounds and two things happen. Well, actually, the end of time happens when the seventh trumpet sounds. Well, let's read that seventh verse. But in the days of the voice of the seventh trumpet... When he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. Why is it a mystery? Why is the church the mystery of God? Because of the word revealed. Revealed. Revealed is the exact opposite of the word mystery. It's a mystery only to those that God doesn't reveal himself. Mystery is the word musturion. It means the unrevealed facts. There's a group of people, which is the majority of the world, that God's not going to reveal himself to because few will find the narrow way. That's the word, and it comes from the word muo, meaning to shut the mouth, and we get the word mute from that. Well, revealed is the word apo, K-A-L-U-P-T-O. 
That is the word revealed. It's a form of revelation, A-P-O. K-A-L-U-P-S-I-S. And it's a form of apo, meaning removal, of kalupto, which is the word cover. So, it means a removal of the cover. Whatever covers up men's eyes and they can't see. Who does he reveal himself to? His family. Right? Look over there in Luke. In Luke, the 10th chapter. Luke, the 10th chapter. We don't believe in a millennium. It's not millennium, it's Kelia. In the McClellan Strong, they will tell you, look up, you look up millennium, it will tell you. Augustine said the millennium, the teaching of the millennium, thousand year reign, came from the Jews. They wanted their own personal kingdom, so they invented that. But that is the kingdom of God which we're in right now. Now, look here in Luke. Who's, why is it called a mystery? Well, you've got several th- places here. Luke 10. Luke 10. I'll get there in a minute. All right. And he says here, in verse 21, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid apocrypto. We get our word crypt. means to hide away in a place where you can't see a body. A-P-O-K-R-U-P-T-O. You have hid these things from the wise and prudent of the world. Because that's the that's what the Lord says that not many wise, not many prudent in this world are called. Only the base things of the world are called. And has revealed them unto babes. Revealed is the word apocalypto. And we're the babes. He reveals it unto us when we are babes in Christ. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him take the cover off of his eyes. That's why it's a mystery that's finished. The last one comes into the fold in that verse in Romans 10 and Revelation 10. The last one comes into the fold and it's all over. When the mystery of God is finished. And look over here in first first Chronicles uh, first not first Chronicles, first Corinthians. Back to that second chapter. How would you like to be the last one? The last one comes into the fold. Boy, that would be something, wouldn't it? First Corinthians the second chapter. 
I'll give you that same verse. But God hath revealed, verse 10, them unto us by his Spirit, taking the cover off the eyes of the church. So the mystery of God is a mystery only to the world that can't see. And then you go over here to Ephesians, the third chapter. And you've got to put all these together. Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians 3. For this cause, speaking of what he just said in the previous verse, that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, we're all one in Christ. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you nations, you Gentiles. Same word. If, we have, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, dispensation, oikonomia, means the economy of a household. Doesn't mean a period of time. <laughs> How that by revelation, apocalypsis, he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote it for in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ that's finished in the 10th chapter of Revelation. And here's the mystery. In other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, which was a term for Gentiles throughout the Old Testament. So it wasn't made known unto the Gentiles, but it is now. Known unto the sons of men, as it is now apocalypto, the covers taken off, to the Gentiles, and you're a Gentile Ephesian church, unto his holy apostles, and prophets by the Spirit, that, here's the mystery, that the Gentiles, the nations, should be fellow heirs, and of the same body, the one body, the church, and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. That's the mystery that's finished over here, and it's no longer a mystery. All of those that are allowed to see We'll see when the mystery is finished. And if you look over here in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, Ephesus was a Gentile or a nation's church, an ethnos church. And when he says over here, he's talking about in the fifth chapter, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That word it is not the word. It is A-U-T-A to her. Eight on the end of a word is feminine gender. He died for her. Nobody else. That's predestination right there that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church that he's going to reveal to the church, everybody in the church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it would be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. 
No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, the church, that he's going to reveal himself to. For we are members of the body, the church, and his flesh and his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, the church, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I speak concerning Christ and the church. It's a mystery to the world. It's not a mystery to us because he reveals himself to his predestinated elect family. Now let's go back over to the 10th, to the 11th chapter of Revelation. Two things happen. Two things happen, and you can't believe this. The mystery of God is finished in the 10th chapter and then in the 11th chapter he's he's got the he repeats the 7th trumpet sounding it doesn't repeat it doesn't sound twice it sounds once he gives you another thing that happens and the 7th angel sounded verse 15 chapter 11 and there were great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ he shall reign forever and ever at the seventh trumpet. The mystery of the church is complete. Any mystery complete? And and he conquers all of his enemies. Conquers all enemies. And that takes us over to Philippians, the third chapter, and the 15th chapter, 1 Corinthians. Philippians, the third chapter. This is why we don't believe in a millennium and we don't believe in a pre-trib rapture because time is over at the signing of the last trump which is where we'll be changed Philippians 3 speaking of Christ in verse 21 he shall change our vile body that we may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working energeo e-n-e-r-g-e-o energy what energizes us according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all of his enemies all things to himself that happens at the signing of the seventh trump doesn't it what's the last enemy that he destroys and this proves there's no millennium and no pre-trib rapture the last enemy is over in the 15th chapter of first corinthians the last enemy is death. Nobody will die after the seventh trump. That's when all of his enemies will be conquered, isn't it? Yeah. That's when the mystery of God, the church, will be complete. And there'll be no more time. Is a thousand years time. I guess it is. It's not a thousand. It's a two thousand during the time period which we're living. The kingdom of God is in you, Jesus said. It's in us. 
We're reigning now with a scepter of righteousness. Don't even have time to go into that. And he says here in verse 25 of 15, And he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet, till he conquers all of his enemies. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. At the signing of the seventh trump, there's no more time. There's no pre-trib rapture. There's no millennium after it's over. Can we see that? We're going to live till the end. And I believe the church is going to go under a tremendous persecution. And it's beginning now. We're already into the apostasy. Do I have any time, Mike? Eleven. Eleven. All right. So, the last enemy that's destroyed is death, and he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. We're going to be changed at the last trump. Well, there has to be some trumpets before the last one in order to be the last one. Look at Matthew. Matthew 24. The apostles come to Jesus and say, Lord, take a look at this temple. Isn't it beautiful? It was Herod's temple. It covered about 28 acres, had gigantic stones in it. And Jesus said, the time will come where one stone will not be left upon another. They thought the temple would last till the end of time. So they coupled together the question, when will these things be when one stone is not left upon another? And what will be the sign of thy coming of your parousia and in the end of the world? Parousia is the word coming. It means physical arrival. They ask one question. What's, when will these things be? They couldn't picture the temple coming down in 70 A.D., just 35 years later, somewhere in that neighborhood. 70 A.D., Titus, the Roman general, comes in, levels the temple, and they said the end of the world. They're talking about nearly 2,000 years apart. Jesus tells them, here's the sign of the coming. And he gives them all of these signs. Nation will rise against nation. These are the beginning of sorrows in verse 8. Many will come in my name. They'll say that I am Christ and they'll deceive many. They'll even actually say that I am Christ and deceive not their Christ. You can't deceive saying you're Christ. False prophets will arise. The love of many will wax cold because iniquity abounds. Anomia, no law. And then he says there'll be the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Can't even go into that. Some will say low here or there. And there'll be great tribulation, verse 21, such as is not from the beginning of the world, nor ever shall be. Verse 23, if any man says, Lo, here's Christ or there, don't you believe it? Who says, Lo, here's Christ? Well, the Mormons say he's out there meeting with the head of their 
church in the Mormon temple in a private little uh, setting, they lie. If a grandmother says she saw Jesus by her bedside, she's lying through her teeth. And people, oh, Robert said he saw 900-foot Jesus. 2,000 years before old Robert said that, Jesus said, old Roberts will be lying. I want to know how he knew he was 900 feet tall. Did he get in a balloon and say, Richard, Richard Roberts, his son, hold this tape measure. I'm going to go up in this balloon. He's 900 feet tall. What a stupid man. By the way, he died of pneumonia. He couldn't be healed. For there shall arise false Christ, false prophets, shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, if it were possible, they would be so good they would deceive their very elect. But it's not possible. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say, he's in the desert. When the, when the Jehovah's Witnesses said they went off into the desert and everybody sold all their... Why did they sell everything they had in 1914? If they're going out to meet Jesus in the desert. What are they going to need stuff for? Take the money with them to heaven. Behold, he's in the secret chamber. Don't you believe that somebody's seeing him privately? (coughs) He's not having a private audience with anybody. Then he says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the parousia, the coming of the Son of Man, be. Every eye will see him when he comes back. It's not going to be a secret. And then he says, Wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Says that in Revelation 19. Says that in Ezekiel, the 39th chapter. He's going to fouls of the air. He's going to call the fowls of the air and say, Come and eat the eat flesh and drink blood that I have prepared for you this supper. And then immediately after the tribulation of those days, what's the time factor after the tribulation? The sun will be darkened. The moon shall not give her light. Got a lot to say on that. The stars shall fall from heaven. The seven angels, the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. And the powers of heaven shall be shaken. The heavens is the ruling class of the world. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. What's the time factor here? After the tribulation. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. The last one hadn't sounded yet. It's at the end of the tribulation, isn't it? And we're going to be changed at the last trump. So that means we're going to live into this tribulation. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's the last trump. So we don't believe in a pre-trib rapture. We don't believe in a millennium. It's just not true. It's amazing how many people believe this. How many people like John MacArthur, who seems to be a very bright, bright man, how he can't see this. You know what's blinding him? His pride. 
He's got a lot of pride. He sells lots of books with a lot of error in it. Sometimes he'll preach a message on predestination right straight down the line. Then he'll turn around and say, how does predestination and free will walk hand in hand? He says, I don't know, but they do. They do not, John. There's no free will. Everything's the will of God, all the evil. That's something else we believe that people don't like. All evil come from God. I make peace and create evil. I will do all these things. Sickness comes from God. God told Israel, Therefore will I make thee sick and smiting thee because of thy sins. He doesn't make vessels of wrath or goats sick. They live high. They live in that 73rd chapter of Psalms. David said, I was envious of these people. They had all that their heart could wish for. Their eyes were fat with the, with the things that they wanted. And he said, I was envious until I saw their end. Don't believe in a pre-trip rapture. In fact, the last verse on that, I guess, would be First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, when the Bible says, that this we say unto you, verse 15, chapter 4, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. That word remain, perilipa, means to survive a great slaughter. And it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Shout is the word kaluma. K-E-L-L-E-U-M-A. It means a war cry. That is not... What in the world, a war cry, what were we doing making a war cry at a secret coming? And all of these people, when they want to believe in a pre-trib rapture, they read these verses right here. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep that you saw, not even others which have no hope. And then, for this we said you that by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain they, could, they think remaining means to walk around working our jobs remain means to survive a great slaughter the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a war cry there were seven trumpets when Joshua marched around Jericho seven priests with seven trumpets marched around seven times and they sounded the trumpets and shouted at the signing of the seventh trumpet, and the walls came down immediately. Judgment was immediately at the war cry. I, I tell you, I, I'm going to stay on this subject because i got to go back through demons. I can't... I stay on sometimes a subject a long time on Sunday morning trying to exhaust things but sometimes I need to go back and review everything so you'll know there's no demons there's no tongues there's no water baptism there's no crackers and grape juice calling it communion they were eating the last Passover and we're in a spiritual Passover the Bible teaches that I don't know how men can be as smart as some of them are and miss everything it's like I just want to grab him by the collar and say, what is wrong with you? Can't you read and don't you understand common language? Nope. Last Trump? 
preachers just in America, to use an old ancient word, they bugged the tar out of me. They really bugged me. They get on my last nerve. I, I listen to them on radio and I watch them on TV once in a while. I say, God, I can't take any more of this. No definition. Just grab hold of any old doctrine that came along. Well, I'll come back and review demons. Don't believe in them. They were the gods of the ancient world. What's evil is men's hearts. You think a demon can be more evil than Attila the Hun who killed millions of people or Adolf Hitler or or Benito Mussolini or Joseph Stalin who killed more people. He killed more of his own Russian people than Hitler killed of the Jews in World War II. We were terrified of Joseph Stalin after the end of the war because everybody talked about how the Russians were going to attack us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for all this understanding. Lord, I pray that you will fight our battles, whatever kind of battles they are. If they're, It don't matter what they are, the things that would mess with our mind, Lord. And we pray you will lead us to your elect. Open up doors for this ministry. Cause the people to be willing to support it so we can build a building and, and leave something here for the people, a place for them to worship in truth. We'll give you praise for everything. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, there we are. Hey, Dave. Brother Dave, how you doing? Thanks for the hard-hitting message. Well, it was, wasn't it? It was hard-hitting. It's the truth. That's the thing. We got nothing in this world to live for.